Welcome to episode 16, John Wick. On this episode, Johnny and Eddie discuss their favorite Keanu Reeves character, John Wick. Johnny explains the Continental and all of its perks. Eddie does his best to imitate some of his favorite John Wick scenes. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage. Take a seat and put up your feet because we're talking movies. Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Klieg. And we're talking movies. Well, folks, I'm not going to take a lot of time here with any kind of introduction, because if you listened to the last episode, you know that we're doing something different. This is part two of our conversation about Keanu Reeves. And in case you wondered why we were doing as much, we hinted several times why there would be a part two. So I'm going to go right now and ask the question that I always ask Eddie. Where are we going today, Eddie? Well, Johnny, I'm going to give you a hint. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. I heard you struck my son. Yes, sir, I did. Yeah, may I ask why? Yeah, well, because he stole John Wick's car, sir, and uh, killed his dog. Oh. We're talking John, John Wick. Wick. <laughs> <laughs> well, We've talked about this, and I've particularly said characters matter, and we've talked about it in the context of, of several of the genres and, and we even composers, directors, whatever. Uh, but characters matter, and occasionally there are, in the movie realm, characters that come along that you, for one reason or another, you take a liking to, you get attached to, you really want more of, so on and so forth. One, of course, we spent, uh, I believe it was our, what, second episode, Eddie, and we talked about one of the really great ones in film history, and that, would, of course, would be James Bond. Well, the one that's come along now that Eddie and I have really gotten attached to, we've seen these films, a couple of them we've seen over and over and over again. So they're like really old friends, and we're talking, of course, the John Wick series. And when we talked last time, Eddie led off with the... Uh, what is it? Uh, what was the great adventure? Whose adventure was it? Bill and Ted's Bill excellent. and Ted's excellent adventure. That was what got him some notice initially. And then he went into the Matrix series a few years later. And that became really, I guess we could probably say in that sector of the genre is really kind of, I hate to use the word, but it's probably iconic and certainly made well, a lot of money, as we know. Well, the fighting sequences and stuff are still used today. You know, the way that they shot that movie. The thing I remember, the one part I've seen from the, the Matrix is when he's dodging all the bullets and so on. But then he's done some other films, and we talked about all those films or several of those films. And now we come to what's really brought Keanu Reeves to the attention of literally the world, I think, through the character of John Wick. So we're going to talk about it. Eddie's going to give some background on some of the unique things and tidbits about the movies themselves. So we're going to go right through them, one, two, and three, because the most recent one was Chapter 3, Parabellum, which came in, we saw just a few months ago. Let's start with number one. Right, so the first one is John Wick. came out in 2014, directed by Chad Stalisky, I think, and David Leach. Ironically, Chad was Keanu's stuntman in the Matrix series. Now he's a director, and of course, the movie has a gazillion stunts in it, so <laughs> it's right up his alley. 
I've got a quickest summary ever. An ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down the gangsters that killed his dog and took everything from him. Yeah, that's the quick synopsis. The, the thing that makes this interesting and the reason that a guy who, as Eddie said, a hitman, his history is pretty despicable, you would think. But he did a special favor for a Russian gangster and got himself out of the business, so to speak, because he fell in love, married, and was seemingly on on the path of what most people would say a normal life. Unfortunately, his wife falls ill, she dies, and uh, a parting gift, if you will, since she says in a note that accompanies the young puppy that's delivered to him, actually on the day of her funeral, the evening of the day of her funeral, says you will need someone to love. Well, unfortunately... It's short-lived because these young Russian punks, one who is the son of the very gangster that Mr. Wick has performed this special favor for that got him out of the business, they come and they take his car, kill his dog, and the chase is on. The little lead-in that Eddie had is the phone call that because when they deliver, they take Mr. Wick's car, the stolen car, to this which is basically a chop shop run by John Leguizamo. Anyway, he runs a shop which is also affiliated, and the guy does work for this Russian mobster. Well, the guy brings it in, and of course, where'd you get the car? Because he knows it's John Wick's car. And then, and the lead-in that Eddie played, because he ends up Mr. Leguizamo. I forget his, I don't, what's his character? Do we have his character's name in there? I don't know, we can check it. Anyway, the owner of the shop ends up punching the young kid, And later on, it's reported back to the father, and the father made the phone call, which you heard. And once he heard Mr. Wick, that it was John Wick's car, he says, what was his response, Eddie? Oh. Oh. (laughs) So he knows his son has now gotten probably into a pretty big mess. And the rest of it, as Eddie said, is him trying to settle the score with the young kid, and it ends up, of course, with the old man as well, his former, one of his former bosses. And there's a lot of action-packed stuff. Yeah, and you know, the task that he had to commit in order to get out of the business, whatever it was, and it must have been killing a whole bunch of mm-hmm. other gangsters because it shot this, the, the Russian guy, uh, Vigio, Vigo? Yeah, Vigo. Vigo, it shot his family to the top and gave him the power that he has today. Um, so that was kind of like a, okay, you can get out of the business, but you got to do this, which he didn't expect him to be able to do, and he did. And, you know, the rest is history on that yeah. part. But th- just seeing the father, the look on his face when he finds out that his son not only stole John Wick's car, also killed this little puppy, he was pretty mortified. Even when the son came to him and saw him for the first time, the, the father, like, punches him, says something to him and punches him. And he goes, I did what you told me to do. And he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. You just stole his car. Yeah, yeah, he was a nobody. He was not no nobody. It was John Wick. Mm -hmm. Gave him a task and he said the bodies he buried that day. I gave him an impossible task, which he fulfilled. And the bodies he buried that day laid the foundation for what basically what we are and what we have today. Then he's got his his right-hand man. He goes, you're going to have to, you know, go whatever. And he says, how many... How many men should I bring? How many men do you have? <laughs> yeah, the idea is they're going to have to go wipe out Mr. Wick. 
which they attempt to do. I don't know, what is it, about a dozen guys they spend over there, close to it, attacking him in his house. Now, one of the things, and Eddie, you might want to start commenting on this, because throughout the film, one of the things, and we've actually seen a clip, we've seen a couple of clips, one relating to the training that Keanu Reeves went through, preparing for the role about how to handle the firearms, and then we saw another clip by a, a law officer talking about how what Keanu does during the film, how he handles the weapons, how it matches what the police training is, he's very, very good, very, very good indeed, even though he's killing a lot of people and he's not a law officer by any stretch of the imagination. But one of the things, they come in and they attack his house and he's ready because one of the things that he's done is put aside a host of weaponry, which he had basically put away for keeps, supposedly. Well, now he's had to bring it all up. And the other accoutrements, the other things that he needs to be a part of that world. Yeah, he, he buried it in the basement Yep, under concrete. Mm-hmm. So. so he figured it was it was over and done, hidden away, and now he had to bring it up. Anyway, he d- dispatches the guys that are sent after him. And one of the little, there's a little bit of humor throughout this thing, and you need to understand, in the hitman world that he lives in, the currency, the coin of the realm, if you will, that handles every transaction is the South African Krugerrand. We find out later in subsequent, uh, I think it's actually in part two, that a lot of these have been forged, but they've been done so masterfully that they still have value. Anything that's done, anything that needs to be purchased, anything that's used in any of the hotel setups that they have for the hitmen, and any services are paid by Krugerrand. And we see a little bit all these bodies that he uh yeah and, and befo- accumulates and before that uh, did you mention you didn't mention jimmy did you no jimmy the, after the fight uh the doorbell rings i believe and the bodies are strewn all over the house yeah, all over yeah. the house are all these bodies and there's a police officer you see the, the revolving lights you know the, the police lights mm-hmm. and, and he goes evening john and then john goes evening jimmy noise complaint and jimmy goes yeah yeah noise complaint because the neighbors of course heard then, and Jimmy looks over John's shoulder, sees the dead bodies on the floor behind him. And Jimmy says, you uh, uh, are working again? John Wick says, no, I was just sorting some stuff out. Ah, well, uh, I'll leave you. I'll, I'll leave you be then. Good night, John. <laughs> Good night, Jimmy. Evening, John. Evening, Jimmy. Noise complaint. Noise complaint. You, uh, working again? No, just sorting some stuff out. Oh, well. I'll leave you be then. Good night, John. Good night, Jimmy. (laughs) Well, then John makes a call, and he asks for reservations for, I think it's 12, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Reservations for 12. This is Wick. Yes, John Wick, that's right. I'd like to make a dinner reservation for 12. And he said, what is this all about? Well, that's why I said I thought there were 12 people that came to get him. Right. And it turns out there's this disposal crew, cleanup crew that comes in. And uh, the gentleman, who's obviously the boss of the outfit, older gentleman, says, nice to see you again, John. <laughs> so basically he was surprised because... Wick was supposedly out of the business, and it looks like. And, of course, they wrap up, clean up, 
and he pays him with 12 Krugerrands. And that's right. where you start seeing, first of all, that this coin of the realm is the Krugerrand. So now he's going to have to settle the score. He's going to have to get re-equipped. He's going to have to find a new car, da-da-da-da-da. So. Throughout the movie, he, when people say anything, he, he doesn't say he's back in the business. His intent is to get back out. Just he's got a score to settle. That's right. He's just going to just a little clean up and then he's going to go back to normal. <laughs> well, the, for me, the best conceit of the whole thing, other than the fact that I like the fact that we've talked about this before when we were talking about, for, for example, Denzel or Tom Hanks, bringing humanity to the character. Now that we've seen the backstory and we knew about his wife and so on, despite his bad background, he he was a caring individual and now he's that's been ripped away from him, and now he's been, they've unleashed his bad side again. But he figures he can just step back in uh, to the pond and, and come out once he's finished his business. Well, the, as I said, the conceit that I like, we become introduced to the, the Continental. It's a hotel where these hit people, because there are women involved too in the profession, can go and have drinks, dinner, stay for a night or two, without fear of being attacked by someone who might have a contract on them or have some axe to grind with them because it's not permitted. No business is allowed. And the gentleman who runs this place, played by Ian McShane, an old uh, English actor who I've always liked, name is Winston. I'm familiar with the parlors, Jonathan. I want to ask you this. Have you returned to the fold? Just visiting. Have you thought this through? I mean, chewed down to the bone. You got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond. You may well find something reaches out and drags you back into its depths. And he's the proprietor of the one in New York. And there are a series of these hotels we become aware of around the world for all these hit people. This is where you realize how many people are involved in this underground, shall we say, uh, profession, uh, which it is, I guess. So he goes to the Continental. And the gentleman who plays the desk, Lance Reddick, and we've seen him in a couple other films, but he plays the uh, desk clerk and chief associate of Winston, the proprietor most recently I, he was in Olympus has fallen I believe he played uh, one of the one of the officers or White House down one of those he's pretty cool he's pretty pretty cool guy anyway yeah I mean I don't know how much want to give away because we want yeah. people to see yeah I know um, I assume many of you have seen this I'm sorry we 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 don't generally don't do this this is we're so steeped in this so yeah we we will back off a bit the thing is from everything we've seen Keanu executes the f the use of the firearm very, very well. And there is a sequence where he does get revenge against elements of this Russian group in a nightclub. I don't know how many people are wiped out, but it's a bunch. It's the, uh, it was a museum, right? Oh, no, no, that was in the sorry. second one. This is in the sorry. nightclub. With oh, the, that's right, that's you know, right. Yeah. There's a lot of gunplay in every one of these, so it's kind of... You <laughs> yeah, this is the nightclub. And then he goes up to the private area up top. Of the where there's a swimming pool and that's where the the Russian son is there and he's going to town with all these people. Um, there was one guy he was wrestling back and forth with, which gave him a little bit of a problem. And actually, we see him later. 
in a couple scenes before he gets uh, taken care of. We might want to talk about some of the stunt work. You've got some information on the stunt work that uh, is involved in this. Because this is movie magic, and we've commented before. We talked about the, the movie Atomic Blonde, and I said, Charlize Theron, I said, how do they keep from hurting each other? I mean, you see this stuff up close and personal between the punching, the shooting, the, the slamming of bodies onto the ground, karate chops, uh, all of that. I mean, yeah, it was it was it was nuts. And he did ninety five percent of all of his stunts. Um, the only ones that he didn't do, it seems like in every one of these movies, there's a few times he gets hit by a car. Yeah, <laughs> he they used a stuntman for the car hitting, but mm -hmm. everything else he did. I mean, he he trained. Day and night, four months straight, every single day. He learned so many different forms of martial arts. But then when you get into the gun training, it's it's unbelievable. We saw a video once a while back of the guy that actually trained him. Mm -hmm. And he said that by the time he was done, he was like the best, not only best actor that's ever done it, but he was up there with professionals that do this kind of stuff. Right. His ability, from what they've said, his ability, the way he holds the gun, the way he, he's in proper form in almost every sequence. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's this, this is really fast moving stuff. And the way he checks it and also is able to change magazines on the, on the weaponry that he's using. We're talking particularly the handgun. He does it with such dexterity. And so it's amazing in the midst of all the movement that's going on. I don't know how long it took him to film some of these sequences. It had to take a while because oh, yeah. none of this happens in the, the time that's on the screen. But it's well done. This is what draws, draws us in. You care about him. And, of course, the gentleman who plays the Russian, and we're going to give a little, little shout-out here. We kind of got attached to him because he's very good as the bad guy, Michael Nyquist. I mentioned him when I talked about the strong women characters that he was in the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in the Swedish version because he's a Swedish actor. And uh, unfortunately, he got sick or shortly, either during or shortly after the filming of Wick because uh, he has subsequently died. We did see him in uh, Hunter Killer with uh, our old friend Gerard Butler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he played a, a Russian... Uh, ooh. He played another Russian, Russian uh, <laughs> sub-commander. Uh, sub yeah, yeah. right. So that. he, as a Swede, he's played a lot. He, he, he plays Russians. Of Russians yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I just wanted to say something about the, just the, I'm reading this. So, and I have a slight idea what this means, but it seems pretty intense. It says, John Wick smoothly transitions between several shooting styles, depending on the situation. During close quarters, Battles and while moving through tight hallways, he employs a center axle relock stance. When moving and shooting at longer ranges, he changes into a more traditional weaver and isolis stance. <laughs> it's like it was just the just the fact that he had learned all how to do all that kind of stuff. It boggles my mind. Yeah. But if you're being paid millions, and more importantly for Keanu, as we've we've proved before, he's actually deferred compensation on things. To make the movie yeah. i heard him in an interview say that he just fell in love with the character as long as the characters needed to be filmed or the story goes on he'll be there which i mean we got three movies here and there's yeah. another one on the way yeah so there was something interesting that i did want to say that johnny you may find interesting the story is loosely inspired by an incident in texas involving former navy seal marcus luttrell who wrote Lone Survivor. 
uh, his fire team had an ordeal, the Operation Red Wing in Afghanistan. Wattel was given a yellow lab puppy, whom he named Daisy, after the members of his fire team. On April 1st, 2009, at about 1 a.m. in the morning, Luttrell was awoken by a gunshot and saw four men drive away. They had killed his dog. Mm. So it, and, and he grabbed his pistol, went after him, apprehended them with uh, the police. He didn't shoot him and kill him because he said, I spared them because I've killed enough people already mm-hmm. from when he was overseas. Right. But just for that, it, uh, it, it was loosely based on that. So I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool thing. Yeah, because the name of the dog in Wick is Daisy because it was a favorite flower of his wife. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's interesting stuff. But I love uh, the Winston character, the, the, the hotel, the setup, and, of course, he tracks these guys down and how he gets his justice. When Ellen died, I lost everything until that dog arrived on my doorstep, a final gift for my wife. In that moment, I received some semblance of An opportunity to grieve on the law. And your son took that from me. Stole that from me. Killed that from me! People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And we thought the Continental thing was so cool from the first episode. Right, oh yeah. First movie. I mean, when we transition into the second, second movie, one. it opens our eyes to... Yeah, because because he's wounded. He's wounded in one of the fights, and it, you're not sure how it's going to survive, but they set the thing for the sequel, and then we come to number two, right. where, he again, he figures, okay, it's over. I got my... I cleared that up. I'm back. He got another dog. He's home. And then this... Another... Uh, somebody rings the doorbell again. I have the synopsis on this. Okay, good. Bound by an inescapable blood debt to the Italian crime lord, Santino D'Antonio, and with his precious 1969 Mustang still stolen, John Wick is forced to visit Italy to honor his promise. But soon, the boogeyman will find himself dragged into an impossible task in the heart of Rome's secret criminal society, as every killer in the business dreams of cornering Mm -hmm. the legendary Wick who now has an enormous price on his head, drenched in blood and mercifully hunted down. Mm. John Wick can surely forget a peaceful retirement. Yeah, in the let's let's clarify the boogeyman because that becomes it's very critical to understanding if you're going to hear it. The in Russian folklore, there's a word that they use for the babawea. I believe is the way it's pronounced. I think it's what babawea. Anyway, it's kind of the boogeyman. He's he says that. Wick is the boogeyman. He says, he's the guy you call to take care of the boogeyman. Right. <laughs> he's, yeah, even, he's even scarier. He once was an associate of ours. We called him Baba Yaga. The boogeyman? Well, John wasn't exactly the boogeyman. He was the one you sent to kill the so that's a theme that's you know that that's where that was established in in the first film i do want to mention we don't want to leave him out because a guy who plays a fellow hitman who's just kind of a one of his old wingmen or they were close in the trade 
was played by Willem Dafoe. We want to mention Willem. Willem's been a pretty accomplished actor, and he showed up. And one of the things that happens, and it happens on almost every one of these series, that when the first film's successful, you get a second, a third, and so on and so forth, more people like to be part of it. So you get more and more what you would consider top-flight actors or well-known actors and actresses that suddenly start appearing, which relates to number three particularly. And we discussed that three weeks ago. Yeah, with the Fast and Furious, the Hobbs and and Shaw. Shaw. Who was it? Oh, Helen Mirren. Yeah, that's right, mm-hmm. Helen Mirren. She's top flight. She sought them out to be in a Furious movie, which is even though on the face of this, this looks like, ah, eh, man, yeah, this is B movie stuff. Well, you could say that, but they, this whole thing has been elevated because of the not only some of the talent involved, but the execution of the storyline. Now, even if you're not into crime or you're into this kind of violent type of film, again, these are such interesting characters. They're all interesting, even the bad, bad people. <laughs> so with John Wick Chapter 2, which came out in 2017, the budget was $40 million and it grossed $171 million. So it actually did better than the first one. So you, you could tell the popularity of it starting to grow. And when we get to the numbers from number three, you'll see that they kind of skyrocket. Well, what one of the things I had read is that, that that was confirmed by the critical acclaim as well as general audience and, of course, word of mouth. I mean, we've talked about this to a bunch of people. Now, some people don't care, but we got other people that say, man, I'm glad I watched that. Wow. Well, again, like we were talking about Hobbs and Shaw, when I was looking at trivia that we had for the show, was that three weeks ago, something mm-hmm. like that? Even The Rock said it would have been cool to have John Wick in our movie. He didn't say Keanu Reeves, he said John Wick. Yeah, I think the popularity is, is great. And we have to explain the first scene in the second movie. First of all, it starts with him chasing a guy on a motorcycle, right? He's chasing yeah, a guy. he's chasing a guy on a yeah. motorcycle. But then he ends up in this, not like another chop shop of sorts, to get his car, but he... First, he starts killing a bunch of people, and he walks upstairs to this office, and upstairs the office is, and you, you probably know more about this if you want to. He's, he's the brother of the original Russian mobster guy. Right. Because what they have is John Wick's car originally, which he never really got back at that time. He got a replacement car along the way, but he never got his original car back. The Russian's brother is explaining to one of his compatriots there the situation is, well, because my nephew stole his car and killed his puppy, that and that car happens to be in our inventory because they've got all these, what they're using, they have a whole host of cabs that that move this material around, some of these counterfeit Krugerrands and all kinds of other money and dr- whatever the money is in the enter- enterprise that they're running, they run them through the cabs. But they also have this inventory of obviously stolen cars. It's a big warehouse type of thing. And he said he, he's going to be coming someday. And, you know, this is the same guy that killed three men in a bar with a pencil. Sir, why don't we just give it back? He killed my nephew, my brother, who doesn't know my man over his car and a puppy. You, you think it will stop now? Sir, he's one man. Why don't we just eliminate him? John Wick is a man of focus, commitment, and sheer will. He once killed three men in a bar. A pencil. I know, I've heard the story, sir. Pencil? Who the can do that? I can assure you. That the stories you hear about this man 
if nothing else, has been watered down. Which is made point in the first film, and he's repeated here. And then you hear all this ruckus going on downstairs, and there's screeling of tires and obviously crashing and stuff is happening and it all goes quiet and up the stairs comes boom 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 and this guy's getting really big <laughs> what is coming and it's john wick and he talked about the boogeyman it, again the boogeyman he's explaining he's right. bubba Wea. well he comes up and they have a drink and peace he figures he's going to be dead he just figures he's dead but he's no, John walks out, peace. It's kind of like yeah, peace. He, he wanted to end it and yep. get back out, which yep. is what he tried to do. The problem is his car got trashed. In the, in the, he was trying to get it out of there peacefully, and it didn't happen, and it yeah. got trashed. Again, yeah, so, it got yeah. 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 <laughs> then he's got this visitor, and then it's, he's on to Rome. And then we meet some other hit people, and we also find the Continental System because he's staying in this ho- elaborate hotel. One of the best sequences, and there's a lot of backstory, the contracts are put out on him, and he's trying to avoid being killed. Contracts keep, he had a contract on him in the first film because they're trying to rub him up. But one of the coolest things we thought, there's a sequence when he shows up, he's going to need new clothes. He's going to need a wardrobe. He's going to need weaponry because he didn't bring all that with him. He needs uh, some maps to find his way through the underground of Rome, the old corridors and so on. So he goes, paying Krugerrands, to these various places. And the way they've set it up is that he goes to this uh, tailoring shop where they're doing mass production. And behind they have this special one that does these suits, very fa- fabulous suits with that are designed to, for hit people, if you will. And then he goes, he asks the person at the uh, hotel, is this sommelier in? And she says, I've never known him not to be. <laughs> and he goes in, and the sommelier, which just like he's picking out wine, he's picking out weaponry. So that little conceit with these various states was uh, a kind of a, it, it's one of the few times that you might have a little bit of a chuckle in these films, because unlike Hobbs and Shaw, which we talked about, where they're mixing some humor and a lot of fighting and shooting and so on. There's not a lot of humorous overtone to John Wick film. No. That's a pretty serious business. Is this sommelier here? I have never known him not to be. Good afternoon, Mr. Wick. It's been a long time. I'd like a tasting. Buongiorno, Signor Wick. Ciao, Angelo. Welcome back to Rome. I know of your past fondness for the German varietals, but I can wholeheartedly endorse the new breed of Austrians. Glock 34 and 26. Tell me, Mr. Wick, is this a formal event or a social affair? Social. And is this for day or evening? I need one for day and one for night. Recontoured grips, flared magwell for easier reloads, and I know you'll appreciate the custom porting. What's next? I need something robust, precise. Robust, precise. And what style? Italian. How many buttons? Two. Trousers? Tapered. How about the lining? Tactical. AR-15. 11.5 inch, compensated with an iron bonded bolt carrier. 
Trigicon AccuPoint with 1.6 magnification. Silicon carbide discs, ceramic matrices, accompanying laminates, cutting edge body armor. We just sew it between the fabric and the lining. Zero penetration. However, quite painful, I'm afraid. Could you recommend anything for the end of the night? Something big, bold. May I suggest the Benelli M4? Custom bolt carrier release and charging handle. Textured grips, should your hands get wet. An Italian classic. Dessert. Dessert. The finest cutlery, all freshly stoned. Could you do a rush order? I sure can. Where would you like to have it sent? The hotel. Shall I have everything sent to your room? Yes. Thank you. Excellent. Mr. Wick, do enjoy your party. Yeah, so that whole selection of knives. Oh yeah, the dessert was his <laughs> knives. I mean, so he he loaded up, and, and we're not gonna go into the detail yeah. of what he did with them, yeah. but it yeah. was incredible. I have a stat here that he he had a body count on this one. A kills of 116 people that he killed. Well, we were pretty close. I, and the first one has got to be up there, too. I, in that one sequence, it's at least 60. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, it goes on. Eventually, there's a there's a contract on him. He's, he's you know, we're, again, we're not going to give all the story away. Let us say we're that. Tr we're trying not to, yeah, but we're so yeah, excited. Yeah, I know, I know. This is, and eventually, because of something he's done, he's violated a rule. He has, and the one thing that we talked about Winston, the overruling body for this entire enterprise is called the high table, which goes back to why the, the guy who comes to Wick with this blood oath that he has to fulfill has to do with something with the high table, which will leave that stand. But the individual innkeeper, if you will, or ho hotel keeper, can, if somebody violates the rules, compose them excommunicado. What did you think was gonna happen? What did you expect, huh? Did you really think this day was never going to come? What does he want you to do? I didn't ask, I just said no. Two rules that cannot be broken, Jonathan. No blood on continental grounds and every marker must be honored. Now, while my judgment comes in the form of excommunicado, a high table, demand a more severe outcome if their traditions are refused. Which means that no one, once that's said, you cannot go and stay and have the protection of any of the continental properties. Unfortunately, that happens through these circumstances with Wick. And at the very end, there is a contract posted on his head, and he and his dog are on the run. And that's Leading to, what do you suppose, when you saw number two, did you think there's a sequel coming up? <laughs> <laughs> and that leads us to number three, the most recent. Yeah, number three. It was very good as well. They, a bigger budget, $55 million. Bigger stars. Grossed $321 million. Not bad. It, it doubled in gross from the second one. I wonder why they're making a fourth one. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Other why. than for our enjoyment. And, and, and this is where I'm going to say, because I, I've said this before, we've talked about this, 
The only thing I worry about when you start taking a main character and expanding, 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 you don't want to get it watered down. Now, we just saw Hobbs and Shaw, and what was that, like the eighth or ninth in that Fast yep. Furious series? Yes, considered eighth, I believe. Yeah. So that's pretty significant. Now, we're only on number three. We're going to number four, which is great. And Keanu, unlike Denzel Washington, who didn't like to do sequels, Keanu is all aboard on this because it's a great character. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And again, in number three, we had two stars who showed up. Halle Berry mm -hmm. plays a Sophia. She's another member of the realm, if you will. Yeah, this is when we see not only you have Continental, not only you have the Roman version of Continental. Now we're talking about Moroccan. They were Moroccan in. Uh, or... They went to Casablanca. I think. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's like they're all. Casablanca. Is Casablanca in Morocco? I got to think. They're just yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and who was the other one? Halle Berry? Who was the other one? Angelica Eust. Oh, that's right. That's right. She is, of course, a Russian contact. And there's there's a there's a little bit of a business to how he gets to her and how she gives him some some help along the way. And when he gets to Casablanca, there's a continental there, and this is where he finds Ms. Berry, who they have some history. Right. He, you think he's, she's going to shoot him on the spot, basically, because they've got some stuff that's happened in the past. And you'd think it would be relational, you know, like a yeah. relationship type of thing. But then you find out it's she owes him a favor, mm -hmm. which we won't go into. I mean, yep. in number two, there's a favor thing involved. So you learn about how the favors work while well, he's cashing in a favor getting him to the ultimate high table to try to help him with the situation he's in. So, and she's got these uh, attack dogs. Mm -hmm. So as they're fighting, and I think we mentioned this a while back, we started describing it and I said, oh, wait, we've got to wait till strong female characters that episode. That's right. We, we put that on hold because we knew we were going to be talking. She was bad. I mean, she was, I mean, like awesome type of bad. The way she was, you know, shooting and then using the dogs. The dogs are going around and it was amazing. Yeah, and they did it together. They're both how they choreographed where she's she and Wick are both taking care of a whole host of bad guys in this almost like the Cosby. It's a it's a somewhere in the a, like a marketplace or whatever, and the dogs are being atta are attacking these guys. I mean, there's some. This is where you wonder. I know these guys that are directing this are former stuntmen, and I tell you, they got to know their business because some of these sequences should have hurt somebody. If they got through this without hurting somebody, I'd be surprised. Well, I was just about to say, um, Halle Berry broke three ribs yep. while filming it. There we go. So. I'm not surprised. I'd almost think, so, so having seen some of the things that happened, that's kind of minor. <laughs> that she <laughs> could have been hurt. Exactly. <laughs> you know, another person who's in this who, who plays a major part yes. of trying to kill, um, um, I don't know if you're thinking the same I'm thinking. Probably not. I'm thinking about the guy. He's, uh, if anyone's ever seen The Iron Chef, he's the... Is the guy who, um, the chairman, who says, the Time has come to once again answer life's most savory question. Whose cuisine reigns supreme? This is Iron Chef America. Anyways, that guy is actually an actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He plays, he's the ball-headed guy in this that goes through and um, tries to kill John Wick. Oh, that, actually, he he's that, the that kind guy. of the enforcer. Yeah. That the lady comes he's over a, from the head table, and mm -hmm. he goes and kind of does some payback stuff. That guy's from Iron Chef. So. Yeah, Winston, who owns the property, controls the property in New York, is brought. He's violated a few things, and he's under. Well, he's been warned by the high table, 
And of course, he likes John Wick and he supports him, even though he's had a contract. It's it's kind of an interesting relationship they have. Uh, and there's some other shootouts and so on. Let's just say they left it open so that you will expect a sequel. But it's, again, well done. The other person that appeared in number two and is in number three and they had a relationship in The Matrix is Lawrence Fishburne. He played a critical role. So there's another top flight actor who's in this series too. So I would imagine in number four, we're going to see a couple other actors who we know pretty well from somewhere else show up. Yeah, I don't know what role, but you're going to find somebody. Yeah, definitely. The whole uh, Lawrence Fishburne in the second movie, also in the third movie, the way his system works and the people that are under him and the way they work. Yeah, he controls cool. like the street people. He's yeah. he's kind of like the lord of the of the downtrodden homeless, or at least that that's their cover anyway, that they have. There's a what we would call a menagerie almost of characters and subplots and all these moving parts, but add such dimension and such interest. We watch a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of movies over time. And this particular setup, if you will, I have found extremely interesting. And to my wife's dismay, I have watched these movies over and over again, parts of them even, scenes when you know it's, oh, even if it's on TV and there's some networks that run like John Wick movies over and over again, over the weekend type of thing. So you can always catch a glimpse. Oh, this is a good part. I think I'll watch this. So for 20 minutes, you're watching this sequence that you know by heart. All we can say is, if you have not seen the John Wick series, be sure you should watch them in order because then it makes sense. Definitely you should watch John Wick 1. I mean, I know if you're turned off by violence, it's so well done. And in, again, I talk about context. There's violence that, yeah, is gratuitous. There are some filmmakers that I have taken to task for the way they film things and why they film things, and it, it's over the top. This works in context, and it's, it's pretty violent. That's no know about it. But I think if you watch it, it's so interesting. The world in which they operate is so interesting that they've created, and that's why it's drawn us in. Yeah, uh, it's like a secondary uh, subline of the movie, especially when, when a hit is put out on somebody. Just the way that they use it, the old telephone system. Old school. Everything old school. Is, See, that's, you, you think you're back in like in the olden days, the way the system works. They're using the you know the plug and the, the, the pneumatic plug tubes. And, they yeah. got those pneumatic tubes, and they got the little old ladies with the typewriters and the old and the, the old old switchboards. Board, though, where yep. you plug it in and plug it out, and that alone is really yeah, funny it's it's it it, it's a great creation. It's a great world that that is there, the underbelly of of the world. Very fascinating. We've enjoyed all three of them. Again, we could go through and talk about all the plot points and so on, but that's not our intent here. We'd like to get you excited about seeing some of these if you haven't. And if you've seen them, just remind you, gee, it's been a while since I've looked at that. I'm going to watch it again. Anything else you want to say, Eddie? That's it for me. What's the clock on the wall telling us? Well, Johnny, it looks like it's that time again. And before I turn it over to you, as always, we thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. Please tell your family and friends. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. New episodes will drop every Monday. Visit Johnny's blog on our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. There you'll find an additional commentary, show notes, and references that were mentioned in the show. Easiest way to subscribe to our podcast is to visit our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. Scroll into the bottom of the page, click into the Apple Podcast button or the Google podcast button. Also, the iHeartRadio button is available. 
The podcast is also available on all your favorite platforms except Pandora. If you have any show ideas, send us a comment through our website, DM us on Instagram, or tweet us at We Talkin' Movies. Also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash We're Talking Movies. We would love it if you would like our page. That's it for me. Well, that's our little conversation about Keanu Reeves and especially John Wick. And as we said before, if Keanu, if you're out there, if you ever get an opportunity to listen in, please feel free to give us a comment, a shout out, whatever. We'd be glad to hear from you. Well, that looks like it's all for today, folks. Until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen. And as we fade to black, this is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again.